Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson, host of the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. You know, we are getting so excited here at Rising Above as we see moms from all across the country signing up for this year's By the Brook event. Now, By the Brook is a weekend filled with hope and inspiration and lots of laughter, and it's all designed for moms of individuals with special needs and chronic illness. Now it's coming up on June 25th and 26th and you can join in individually from your own home or you may choose to get together with a group of friends and participate in the weekend with your friends. Or new this year, we have different host sites in different locations around the country where you can join in in person with other moms and take part of the event in a group setting. So you can find out more information on our website or on our app, and we'll have links to all of the information about that in our show notes. Now, my guest today is Tanya Nash. Tanya is board president and founder of the Autism Faith Network, and she started this ministry after discovering that many churches struggle to minister to those with autism and to their families. And her goal with the ministry is to educate churches about autism and promote awareness, acceptance, and inclusion. Tanya and her husband, Jamie, have two amazing sons, and both of her boys have been diagnosed with autism. And her youngest son was recently diagnosed also with epilepsy. And Tanya enjoys connecting with other parents and encouraging other parents who have children with disabilities. And we had a great conversation on faith and family and navigating the special needs life. And I know that you're going to enjoy getting to hear from Tanya and knowing more about her family and her story. So here's my conversation with Tanya Nash. Hey, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. I am so excited to have this opportunity to have this conversation with you. And so thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be a part. Well, I can't wait to hear more about your family and your story and uh, just all the amazing things that you're doing to encourage other special needs families. And you know, as we get started, you know, I, I think you and I met at a conference at, in Georgia, I think actually your table was right next to ours. Am I remembering that correctly at the together conference? We met at the together conference. Yes. I think it was right before the pandemic. hit. Yes. Yeah. It yes. was March of 2020. Yes. I believe. And I think, I think we had our display tables were right next to each other, if I'm remembering correctly. So I may be yes. wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. And so we met you there. Yes. I came up to your table. I didn't have a display table that oh, year, okay. but that I came you. up to visit you because I remembered some of the work that you and your husband were doing with Rising okay. Above. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to meet there and I've heard about you uh, through several other people in disability ministry. And so I thought I want to have a conversation with Tanya and learn more about her life as a special needs mom and then all the amazing things that you're doing. So you know, I don't know much about your family. So I would love to hear more about you and your family and and the makeup of your crew. All right. So uh, my husband, Jamie and I, we are getting ready to celebrate 18 years of marriage. 
Yes. And so we have two boys, um, Daniel, who is 14. Yeah, he's 14. And my youngest is eight, Nicholas. So we have two boys. Um, Both of them have been diagnosed with autism. And um, last August, my youngest son was diagnosed also with a rare form of epilepsy. Wow. You know, we had a similar situation where my son, you know, we already had our cerebral palsy and autism, the autism diagnoses. And then when he was 16, we got the diagnosis of epilepsy. And I know for us, it was um, just a moment of going, oh my goodness, here yet we have another diagnosis to add to our already long list. You know, it was hard for us to process through that. It was the grief process. How did How did that impact you? And what did that look like for you when you get that additional diagnosis after you've already had the diagnosis of autism for a few years? Well, so, okay. So I have two sons with autism. So, Mm -hmm. and there's quite a few years in between the two. We waited for a while because um, I wanted to be sure that my, if I were to have another child that I would be able to give that child the time that they needed. Right. So when my youngest son got diagnosed first with autism, you know, I thought, Oh my goodness, you know, you know, but then, you know, I was like, okay, well, I already know what to do. You know, I kind of have this, you know, I already have one son with autism. And even though um, one person with autism, you, when you meet one person with autism, you meet one person right. with autism. Right. I was still familiar with, um, you know, what autism was because I had been already doing some advocacy work at that time. Mm -hmm. So then when the epilepsy diagnosis came up, I was just like, I cannot believe Mm -hmm. that something else has, you know, come on our plate, you know, and it was, um, epilepsy is very different from autism, you know, um, there was, um, a lot of, um, strong concerns that we had just about, his well-being about um him not getting hurt he got hurt a couple of times during mm-hmm. seizures and so um it caused a lot of anxiety and stress um and so during you know the time you know from really from when he first got diagnosed until maybe even a couple of weeks ago it was just a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of questions as to why, um, why is this happening now? Right. Don't we already have enough going on? Right. You know, so um, it's, it's a process. I don't think it's something that you get used to right away. I don't think mm-hmm. it's something that, um, that just automatically, you automatically process. Right. It takes time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think you have to go almost through that grief process again, like we, yes. we do when we find out about, you know, the original diagnosis is you've got to process through all that. So, right. And, you know, one thing that's kind of helped me in the process with the epilepsy and even with the autism as well is educating myself on what this is, you know, mm-hmm. what is, what is this condition? And then, you know, with autism, meeting adults, you know, who have autism right. and learning and hearing about their stories. And then with epilepsy, when my son was diagnosed, 
I um, started getting active with the Epilepsy Foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, volunteering with them, learning all I could about it so that, you know, when my son has his appointments, that I know how to effectively advocate for him, that I know what to look for when we're home and how to keep him safe, you know, with the helmets and making our home seizure um, friendly. So it's, it's a lot to learn. It can be very overwhelming. But, you know, I just found that for me, you know, being aware of um, things that I need to Mm -hmm. take into consideration has been kind of helpful for me. Yeah. I know for me, getting that education and that knowledge, it brings me peace. When I have that Mm -hmm. knowledge, it takes that fear uh, from being on a 10 to maybe going down to an eight or seven. The more you learn, it goes goes down, never goes completely away. Yes, it it doesn't. And, And, you know, I think with, for me, um, the epilepsy diagnosis was harder than the autism, mm. just because um, mm. you never know when the seizures are coming. Yep. And then on top of that, um, because you don't know when they're coming, you don't know how to prepare for them. You don't know how right. to protect them from getting hurt. And so my son had to get a helmet, um, which he will wear only some of the time, yeah. you know, um, and then, you know the hospital visits and then the medications and keeping up with the medications and the refills. Um, My boys were on medications for autism, but they, um, you know, my son with epilepsy, he's on four twice a day. So it's so much to keep up with. Mm -hmm. And that really was the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge with the epilepsy, the autism. I was okay. You know, okay, well, he thinks differently. You know, he sees the world in a different way. Okay, we can do with this. But the epilepsy was really difficult to handle. Yeah, but you're processing through and that's what we do. You know, we Mm -hmm. we process through and then I think we we all get to this place of, okay, this is for some reason, this is where we are. And and then we process through and learn. And then then you'll you'll be helping other moms here soon. You know what I'm saying? Yes. We have mamas who help us when we're getting that new diagnosis and then you'll be the one helping those other mamas. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I think you bring up something that's very good and that is you got to have a tribe, Absolutely. you know, you have to have a team of support people to help mm-hmm. you out because this journey of being a special needs parent is not something that you can do on your own. You just yeah. cannot. Um, And if you do try to do it on your own, you can only do it for a short period of time um, before you really, you know, start to see effects on your own health, your own um, mental health, your physical Mm -hmm. health, your emotional health. And so, you know, on this epilepsy journey, I have been blessed. I've had friends and family that have been very supportive, you know, that have helped to, um, you know, help me to take care of my son. My mother-in-law has been, you know, here to help me out. And I think the thing that made the epilepsy diagnosis even more difficult for our family is the fact that it happened during COVID. Mm-hmm. So yeah. during that time, um, we really had to be careful about who came, who's helping, who's coming in our home, um, because he's high risk now. Mm, right. And so that was something that we didn't really, I mean, we took precautions, you know, for anyway, during um, the pandemic. But, you know, when you have a family member that's high risk and you need help from other people, yeah. it just um, raises the level of um, anxiety mm-hmm. and, you know, just concern. 
So, but, you know, we've been really blessed, you know, to have that support. And I think that's just so important. Yeah. That is, that is a huge, huge part of all this is just having that support and those people who can help us on the journey. Cause we are not yeah. meant to do this alone. And oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. We've got it's not have, possible. <laughs> no, you can't do it alone. And, you know, you, you've got two boys, both on the spectrum. Yeah. But as you said earlier, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism because they're all so unique. Right. And different. So do your boys present the same way? Are they different? How does, how does, I mean, I'm sure they are, I know they're different, but like what, what's the differences between your boys? What's the similarities between your boys? So my boys are night and day. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So one, one of my sons is, um, the sweetest gentle giant ever he is um that's my oldest son Mm -hmm. he is very artistic so he loves to draw he loves to paint um he loves to build things with legos um anything that you know you create he can do it so and he's just friendly he's um very um outgoing which some people find to be kind of um unexpected for someone with autism but he's very friendly and he's very um aware of people's emotions and thoughts Mm. so that's my oldest and then my youngest son he is um very much an intellectual loves to spell loves to sing loves to write he doesn't like to draw or color but he likes Mm -hmm. to write (laughs) words and things like that and so they're very different very different Actually, it's kind of funny because um, my oldest son is like my husband and then my youngest son is like me. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. That's so, you know, I think that's so sweet that they're like each one of you. And you yes. know, I think so often when we are out and about with our kiddos, you mm-hmm. know, the stares, the looks, the, the, you know, people not getting and understanding our life. What is it you would love people to know about each one of your boys? That, you know, that they're little boys, just like their kids, you mm-hmm. know, and that um, they desire to have friends. They desire to go places and do fun things. They just may respond to things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would love for people to move past any stigmas or stereotypes that they may have heard about autism, because um, if people would dare to move past those um, stereotypes and things that they've heard, they may uh, find out that they are blessed to meet some wonderful people. Yeah. Um, my oldest son, I mean, to know him is to love him. I mean, he's just the sweetest person. And I think, you know, um, sometimes people let preconceived thoughts when they hear, oh, he has autism, then automatically they think, oh, well, you know, I can't have a relationship with him, which right. is quite the contrary. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, we just want people to see past those labels for our kids and, and so, and to to see them for who God created them to be, you know, say, you know, um, those with autism and, you know, really any disability, they're fearfully and wonderfully made just like we are. Absolutely. And, you know, I think sometimes that gets lost. People Mm -hmm. think less of those sometimes with disabilities and that is faulty thinking. And it's not um, the way that Jesus sees Mm, them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we have to get a mindset of how we have to see people the way that God sees them. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Now I know you are a career woman. You, you know, have a career working mom, special needs mom. How in the world do you make it all happen? You know, I know I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a working career mama, single mama, you know, it's like, how, how do we do this? But what are, how do you make it happen in your world? Oh my goodness. So I have to back up a little bit on this one. So my husband was active duty military and we moved around a lot. Mm. And so during that time, it was really hard for me to kind of get traction in my career because Mm. we moved every two to three years. And then when my oldest son was diagnosed with autism and my husband was deploying a lot, it was also hard for me to get the career going because um, my son was having therapies during business hours. Mm. And so that made it difficult for me to maintain a job with my husband being gone and, you know, me parenting him by myself for months at a time. So when my husband retired, um, then my youngest son got diagnosed. So I had two, wow. you know, yeah. with um, disabilities. And so um, one thing I had to think outside of the box in terms of my career, because the typical nine to five just does not always work for families like ours. And so I had to create what I wanted to see, which was um, I started my own business, um, Spectrum Public Health Strategies, because I have a um, degree in public health. And so I started um, consulting. So I'm a public health consultant. I work around their doctor's appointments, therapy times, school times, and some kind of way it just works out. I know um, God has blessed it. And then, you know, I have um, family members that have helped me during my busy seasons for work and have helped to take care of the boys during the times that I'm most busy. That's great. And that goes back to the tribe, right? You know, having people who are going to come alongside and help you, you know? So is there anything that you do for yourself? Like, is there something like I have one friend and hers is every night she gets hot chocolate. That's her thing. Every night's hot chocolate. Is there something you do for you to just kind of boost you to keep you going? Well, one thing I like to do, I like to read. Mm. So um, I used to think I was an avid reader growing up and then I stopped reading because I thought I didn't have enough time. Yeah. And so when Things started getting really difficult, you know, and on this journey as parenting children with disabilities sometimes can be, um, you know, I started thinking about ways that I could, you know, do better on my self-care. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I love to read. Let me start back reading. So I joined Goodreads and it holds me accountable because I have a certain number of books that I need to read every year. Yeah. So every night I try to read out of a book. So um, that's my thing. I like to read. And then I like to, um, I love tech. So, you know, like computers and things like that. So I try to do some fun things tech wise too throughout the week. Yeah, that would not be top on my list. That would be like high stress on my list. That would be like, oh, I love it. Oh my goodness. That would be like, no, that for me, that would be the exact opposite. So I love it. Everybody, God created each one of us with, unique ways to fill our tank. So I think, yes. So I know that your faith is a huge part of your life. And it sounds like from what I've read on your website, it has been your whole life, that faith has been a huge part of your life. And so when your boys came along, how was that impacted? 
Well, that's a great question because um, I did not expect it to turn out the way that it did. So um, I was very active in church, you know, as an adult, you know, there pretty much every time the doors were open with mm-hmm. something. And then when I had my oldest son, you know, everything was pretty much fine until he turned around 20 months, 18 months or so. And we realized, oh, he's not talking. But um, we didn't really start to see signs of autism until he turned around two. And what I found was that a lot of the people working children's church had very little understanding about how to work with those who may have disabilities, Mm -hmm. specifically autism. And so um, I would get called to the children's church room all the time to come get him. Or um, whenever I was in small group, you know, people didn't want to help whenever my son was there. And so it really affected the way that I was able to practice my faith with others. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was something that I was not aware of prior to my son's diagnosis. I had no idea that um, families like mine currently um, experience that kind of thing. Yeah. And unless you live it, you, you know, you can't, you just don't know. You you don't know. And it was, that's the same with us you know, we'd gone to church our whole life and then our son comes along and then all of a sudden it's like that, that part of our life that was so important, we had to figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to readjust? How are we going to make this work? Right. So out of that though, you did something to help make it work and you created the Autism Faith Network. And I would love to know more about the Autism Faith Network and what you all do. All right. So, yes, the Autism Faith Network came around because, you know, like I mentioned before, my husband was active duty military and we were moving around all the time. And it and it didn't matter where we moved to, whether it was a large city, small city, large church, small church, um, south, midwest. It didn't matter. Um, many churches were ill prepared to serve those with autism in their families. And so. Um, What I ended up doing was um, the first year we started in 2016 and um, what what led to this was um, we moved to a small town in South Carolina, Sumter, South Carolina. My husband was stationed at Shaw Air Force Base there. And um, one of the people that attended the church there saw the issues that I was having with attending church while my husband was deployed. Mm -hmm. I had a six-year-old son with autism and a newborn baby. And your husband's deployed and you need that support. Yes. And it was rough. And so um, that particular Sunday, they didn't have children's church because they had a play at the um, church for everyone. So they wanted the families to be together. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So um, my son had this fear and this phobia of the sanctuary because it was loud and there was noises in there. And so he would never go in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And so when um, they told me that there was no children's church that week, I almost had a meltdown myself. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, look, I need a break, please. Yes. Yes. So um, they, um, one lady saw what was happening. She had compassion on me and my family and decided to start a special needs ministry just for my son. He was the only one at the church at that time. And it grew into an amazing, beautiful, wonderful ministry for those with disabilities. And so I blogged about it. And then after I blogged about it, people started reacting to it. And I thought, oh, so many people are experiencing this. And so one day I was sitting in the parking lot of office, um, no, in the parking lot of Staples. And God gave me this idea where I could get 
recruit people who were active in their church, who talked mm-hmm. about the Lord all the time mm-hmm. to get them to um, do something in April for Autis- Autism Awareness Month. So getting them to um, do activities that promoted autism awareness, acceptance and inclusion. And since we had moved to so many different places, I knew people from all over the United States and even overseas. And so I asked people that I knew to do activities in April at their church that promoted autism awareness, just to educate the ministries. And it kind of grew and blossomed from there. And so every year in April, what we do is we encourage churches to do activities that promote autism awareness, acceptance, and inclusion. We give them a list of activities of things that they can do. And this year we had, um, included webinars. We had Dr. Lamar Hardwick on mm-hmm. to talk about his new book, Disability in the Church. And then we also had um, another um, group of ladies, Selena Miller, Patricia Parker, and Sharice Montgomery. They had a book out um, called um, We Dare Be Brave. And it was about their journey um, parenting African-American mm. children with disabilities. Wow. And so I we had them for webinar guests. And then We had churches that participated and did activities at their churches, and we hosted special education sessions for them and giveaways and things like that. And so we do it every year in April, and we're hoping to launch out and do even more activities now that we are a nonprofit organization. We're just waiting on that 501c3, which is kind of slow right now. With COVID, I'm sure it's just yes, not, everything takes slow. longer. Yes. Yeah. So, so that yes, is, we're very excited about everything. That's amazing. So you you focus on helping churches know how they can acknowledge our families and see yes. our families. And so I read on your website about something you have the 2021 Accessible Faith Initiative. Yes. So what is tell us about that and how do people participate in that? Well, the Accessible Faith Initiative is the activities that take place in April. And so basically, um, we recruit churches from like January to April, and um, we get them to agree to do at least one activity, you know, at their church to Mm -hmm. educate their members about autism. So we had churches this year that did webinars. We had some that did... um, guest speakers that show special videos. I even recorded a few videos for churches to share. And so um, basically it was, it's designed to get people to educate their whole entire congregation so that if someone were to come to their ministry and had a family member with autism or really any disability, um, they would know how to appropriately respond. I've had, I have visited church, a church before where I told them that my son had autism and they told me, oh, we don't do that here. So we've heard that. I've heard that from another local family here as well. And it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Jesus never say we don't do that. Never. And so, you know, part of it is awareness. And then another part of it is, you know, just teaching them how to show compassion and how to say the right things. You know, sometimes too, when you tell, um, you know, people at church that you, your family member has a disability or has, you know, some kind of condition, the first inclination is just to automatically pray, you right, know, right. try to pray away or whatever, right. and not really ask the person, okay, well, how can I help you? What is it exactly that you need? And so just telling, you know, teaching people how to um, accommodate Mm -hmm. the needs that um, the families have is very important. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, they just don't even know how to approach us. 
how right. I think people are afraid they're going to offend us people, you know, and I think, so having that education piece of it, you know, the hope is that when people know more, they're going to respond better yes. and, you know, know how to appropriately ask, you know, how can we come alongside you? So yes. I know that you've seen some success stories out of what you've done. Do you have any to share uh, about yes. families or churches who've been impacted by what you all are doing? So one of the churches in a small rural area that participated, um, they had members that didn't even know what autism was. Mm -hmm. And so when they participated in the program, one of the, um, so each church has a person of contact. And so one of the members came to the person of contact at the church and said, Hey, you know, um, we talked about the signs of autism today, you know, and my uh, friend's uh, grandson is showing some of those signs mm. and I'm going to talk to them about it. So, you know, um, people are becoming aware of what it is, what it looks like. We've had churches that have um, decided to make a designated Sunday every year um, dedicated to serving those with autism and disabilities. Um, the program is called the Accessible Faith Initiative. We, um, you know, and we're called the Autism Faith Network. But the with the Accessible Faith Initiative, while it's during Autism Awareness Month, and while we focus a lot on autism, it's really designed to help not just those with autism, but persons or families affected by any disability. Mm -hmm. And so we we've seen a lot of great things. We've served over 35 churches and we've had thousands of people that have learned about autism at their place of worship. And so it's a really, you know, sometimes people talk about, um, well, you know, people need to do better, but you have to be aware first. Absolutely. And so this is designed to get people aware. And then after they become aware and realize that there is a gap here, mm -hmm. then gently nudging them and encouraging them to you know, provide buddy programs or start a ministry or just provide or have tools available like fidget toys or headphones or things like that to accommodate families as they visit. So I know you have a website. And yes. It's, so it's, is it autism? Tell, tell us what it is. I'm not even going to try to say what it is. I'll let you say what it is. <laughs> okay. So our website is autismfaithnetwork.com. And so if you would like more information about what we do, then you can visit that website and also sign up for our mailing list so that you can stay involved on what we have coming up. And I know on your website, you have a blog, you have information about autism awareness. You've got, you know, all different kinds of resources there on your website to help yes. families and churches as well. Yes. And then we're also on social media too. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So, um, you know, like I said, I like text. So so we're on go. all of there them. You, go. you get, you get them all. And we'll be sure yeah. to include all of that, the links in the show notes. So people can just have easy access to find your information. You know what, if there's a parent who's listening today or a church who's listening today, what would you say to them if they're like, you know, I'm a parent maybe who's been, I, you know, I've wanted to go to church, but I can't go because of our situation. What would you say to them? And then what would you say to the church who is wanting to love and serve families, maybe it, that there are already in their church, or maybe they're hoping to draw to their church? So for the family that is seeking a church home, um, 
And, and that can be really difficult sometimes because a lot of times churches don't always put on their websites that they serve, mm-hmm. that they have a ministry for those with mm-hmm. disabilities. And so, you know, going by word of mouth, you know, or visit, um, asking your friends or people, you know, that attend church, you know, Hey, do you have any persons there with disabilities and are there any services there available for, um, my family member, you know, and then, you know, trying to get some information about the culture of the church as well. You know, some churches are louder than others, some right. are more quieter than others. Some may be more tolerant of noise than others, you know, cause you know, sometimes family members with autism can be kind of noisy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, trying to find out about the culture of the church, if you can, all of those things are helpful. And, you know, now that we're in this pandemic with COVID-19, many churches are doing online streaming. And so if you can um, connect with churches online, then that is helpful as well. So there's, you know, different ways that you can find a church home, whether it may be online or in person, you know, just, just do a little bit of research to see um, which one would be the best fit for your family. Mm-hmm. And as for churches that want to be more accommodating, I would definitely say, you know, if you have families at your church already, then find out how you can better serve them. So, mm-hmm. you know, just asking them, hey, how can we better serve you? And then I also would, you know, recommend that, you know, churches have something available for those who may be more sensitive to noise, some for those who may um, need things to fidget with. You know, sometimes parents and families may bring those things with them, mm-hmm. but it's always helpful to have them, you know, have something in place, right. you know, um, even if you don't have a family member with disability, I mean, not a family, even if you don't have someone attending your church right now, it's always good to be prepared in advance. So start mm-hmm. thinking about what you would do if someone with disabilities were to come to your church and how you would show them the love of God mm-hmm. and, you know, um, help them to feel accommodated yeah. while they are at your church. Yeah. So often, you know, I've said this before, it's just like our families just want to be seen and yes. want to be acknowledged. And uh, it's so, I think what so many people don't understand, I used to get so frustrated because um, people would, you know, then not even think about it. They would just, it's no big deal for in the typical world for people to go to church, you go sign your child in, you drop them off, they go to class. It's no big deal for our families. I mean, it's a battle so often yeah. within ourselves to be brave enough to go into a new situation, to go into a new place. And when a church is already trained, equipped, ready to go, then when our families come in and can feel like it's like a deep sigh, you know, it's like, yes. oh my goodness, I can breathe. And um I've been in both, you know, great situations and not so great situations. And when the churches are prepared and can love our families well, oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, that's so important. You know, the the church is supposed to be a place of refuge, right? Right. It's supposed to be a place where everyone can come, come as you are, you know, Mm -hmm. this way, come as you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our families. Um, with disabilities should be able to come as we are absolutely, and feel loved and feel accepted and not feel rejected because, I mean, that's a real thing, you know, feelings of rejection. You know, I've been to churches where, you know, um, they, we couldn't sit in the sanctuary, but they had a side room, but then the 
clothes, the TVs didn't work. <laughs> so it was like, like, well, you just want me to sit. Why, why would I come and just sit mm, in here with the right. TVs not working? What, what is the purpose of that? You know? So, you know, just making sure that people feel loved and accommodated mm-hmm. and, you know, especially like you mentioned, our families, you know, we deal with a lot throughout the weekend. So we really need to be loved on to have opportunities to um, have a break. Mm-hmm. you know, opportunities to meet other people and fellowship with others. And so um, it's something that I really um, am thankful that, you know, ministries like yours and um, others are, you know, really bringing attention because it's something that really needs to be addressed mm-hmm. in our churches. Mm-hmm. Well, Tanya, I have so enjoyed getting to have this conversation with you and hearing about your family and hearing about your amazing work with Autism Faith Network. And I know that uh, for anybody who's looking for ways to equip their church or ways for a family to know maybe how they can approach a church to see if it's the right fit for them, you've got resources for them and they can reach out to you, I'm sure, through your contact information on the website. Yes. And you will help them along the journey. So Thank you so much for your time today. And I can't wait for people to hear your story. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to have had the opportunity to have an extended conversation with you. And, and, um, you know, I am open to anyone contacting us to get more information about um, the services that we provide with the Autism Faith Network. And hopefully we'll get to see each other again soon in person. So that would be great. That would be great. That would be great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.